The Wall Street Journal recently reported there was a net drop in the number of retail health clinics nationwide. Is the business model of the retail health clinic sick? You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Tom Sharlin, CEO of Merchant Medicine and a consultant that specializes in retail health clinics. And he's here to explain the recent trend and the current status of retail health clinics in the United States. Tom, welcome to the show. Good to be here. I'd like to start with what the different types or the different categories of retail health clinics that are actually available in the current market, if you will. Sure. To a patient walking into one of these clinics, there might not really be that much difference. I think where there is a difference is who runs them and who owns them. And I kind of view it as having three different types. One is those that are run by the retail chains themselves. Examples would be CVS, Pharmacy, Walgreens, and even Target. A second category would be those that are run by hospital systems. And there are some examples going on now out there, Aurora in Milwaukee, Sutter in Sacramento, Allegiant in Omaha, Multicare in Tacoma. They're all getting into this under their own brands. And then there are those that are run by private investors, usually with an entrepreneurial physician involved. Those are the ones that of late have fueled the perceived decline in the business. In other words, most of those that have closed in the last 12 months are that third category, those run by private investors. Tell me a little bit about My Healthy Access. I know that one has had some trouble. Sure. My Healthy Access has actually just reemerged, but they closed because they just weren't making it. They were in Walmart stores in Houston. They also had one in Frederick, Maryland, all the way on the other side of the coast. They have just reemerged under a telemedicine model, and under that model, as yet, I don't really consider them a retail clinic any longer because they're really using not even a physician extender through a telemedicine type of system to a physician who's kind of on the other end of a computer. Who's the guy from AOL that got involved in clinics? Steve Case, who founded AOL, is one of the primary investors in another company called Ready Clinic. And Ready Clinic operates in HEB grocery stores in Austin and Houston, Texas, as well as a number of Walmart stores throughout the country. And how is that one doing? They've leveled off. We saw them in the early days as an upstart that was opening very rapidly. They are a partner of Walmart's. Walmart, um, in their announcements, made a big deal of Ready Clinic, but we just haven't seen many openings, and it's hard to say what's going on. The hospital, as one of the categories, is kind of new to me. I didn't know they were getting into that. So are they doing it to funnel patients into their hospital? Are they doing it for just brand name recognition? What's their motivation? Well, I think their motivation is threefold. Or to even keep their ERs less chaotic. Yeah, well, that's not the biggest reason. I think the biggest reason is to anticipate that one of these big players like Minute Clinic in CVS stores or Take Care in Walgreens stores might come to town. And so they're trying to neutralize the competition before it happens, keeping in mind that they have very strong and trusted brands. So if they were to work with their physician groups, and some of them are employed, some of them are affiliated, and do a partnership with a local retailer under their brand, you could see where the public would find this very convenient. It's under a trusted brand that they've already worked with. And they essentially just extend their EHR, their electronic health record system, right into those clinics. I think that it's a very smart strategy, and I think we're going to see a lot of hospital systems across the country get into this business. Tom, 20 years ago, I was a resident, and I did some moonlighting in what was called a dock in the box. 
And those things didn't make it. So I'm wondering what's changed in 20 years that now they're going to survive and thrive. Well, the dock in the boxes, as I understand them, I, I never really studied them completely, but they had a pretty wide scope. Right. We could do anything. And they were paying the doctor a lot. Yeah. So they were physician-based. They had x-ray. So it was for injuries. It was for episodic illnesses. It was for just about everything. These clinics, by contrast, have a relatively limited scope. And that scope is focused on five of the most common episodic illnesses that create a lot of stress in families. And those would be sore throats, where people are looking for a strep test, ear pain, so usually a pediatric otitis media, urinary tract infections, which create a lot of pain and discomfort, sinus infections, which also create a lot of pain and discomfort, and pink eye, which, you know, the daycare calls and says, come get your kid. They have pink eye, and they can't come back for 24 hours. You know, all of which creates chaos in these dual-income families where both parents are working and the kids are scheduled up to the wazoo with sports and school and everything else. So that's what drives these clinics. And so long, I think, as they continue their focus on that area, they will be successful. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and my guest today is Tom Charlin, CEO of Merchant Medicine, a consulting firm specializing in retail and on-site health clinics. And we're talking about the current status of retail health clinics in the United States. Tom, you mentioned the five things that they see these clinics for, and many of them don't need any antibiotics. They just need time to go away. And so I'm wondering if there is a lot of extra excessive antibiotic prescriptions being written unnecessarily. Can you comment on that? I think where that's possible are things where it's purely a subjective judgment. Well, you know, sinus infections are historically 98% viral, but yet everybody gets an antibiotic. And pink eye is a virus, and everybody gets antibiotic eye drops. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, same with ear infections. You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with new guidelines there as well. You know, and it's not just these retail clinics. It's everywhere we're seeing overprescribing, and it's why I would applaud the American Academy of Pediatrics for coming out with those new guidelines to point out that the vast majority of these cases are viral. Let's talk a little bit more about the hospital models. Are they teaming up with the Walmarts or the Targets, or are they kind of doing their own thing? Walmart's stated approach is to team with hospitals. They started out with an announcement back in April of 2007 that they were going to open 400 of these retail clinics. At the time, they had 76 already. And then that didn't seem to work out real well, and they followed it up with another announcement in February of this year that they were going to focus more exclusively on opening with hospital systems. And that hasn't happened yet either. So in terms of hospital systems in Walmart, I'm somewhat skeptical because I haven't really seen much come out of Walmart. On the other hand, across the country, we see hospital systems teaming up more with either local retailers. And then the one retail pharmacy, national retail pharmacy I see getting into this business is Rite Aid is doing quite a bit with local hospitals across the country. Probably the best examples we have are Sutter in Sacramento, Multicare in Tacoma, and then there's another one in the San Diego area as well where Rite Aid is partnering, and I think we're probably going to see them open in the Baltimore area with another hospital system as well. And then apart from that, we're seeing hospital systems partner with the regional grocery chains. So I think we're going to see more and more of this, and in terms of who the retailer is, it's going to be different in every case. Is there any way to track the care that is given between a hospital-owned model versus a private investor-owned model? 
The EHRs, I would imagine, are hopefully linked up with the hospital. Yes. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I am bullish on this hospital model, both from a continuity of care point of view and from an economic point of view, is that you can deliver much better care when you're linked. So, for example, Sutter is teaming with their physician group when they see someone who comes into a retail clinic because they could not get in to see their physician, the physician extender has their record right there and can see, for example, if they're due for a certain kind of vaccination, if they're diabetic, if they're due for some kind of assessment or screening for an A1C, for example, they can do that right on the spot, enter it into the EHR so the next time the physician takes a look at that record, they can see that that was completed. So I think in the area of chronic illness, chronic disease management, there's a huge opportunity for these hospital systems to have order of magnitude improvement on some of the NCQA HEDA scores. So what happens when one time you take your son to a ready clinic, another time you take your son to a Walmart clinic, and those two EHRs do not speak to each other? Are we going to see some sort of unification in the future where everybody can talk to everybody? I don't think that's going to come quickly. The only initiative that I have some hope that might bring us to that is the Google Health Initiative, which essentially goes directly to the patient and says, you maintain your health record, Mm -hmm. you bring it, you make that portable for every visit. I think more likely what's going to happen is people will figure out that there is value to the medical home, there is value to an EHR and a record, and that's where I think these hospital systems have the opportunity to educate patients about the importance of a medical home, but at the same time, create more access through branded retail clinics. Tom, can you comment a little bit on what's happening in Minnesota? I know that Blue Cross Blue Shield there is actually waiving the copayment if their patients seek treatment at a retail health clinic. Is that a growing trend? And is it legal? And is it even fair? Well, it's a trend in Minnesota, and I don't know that it's something that's going to translate nationally. I was with Minute Clinic from the early days right until we formed the CVS partnership and was involved in going out to some of the new markets across the country. And I just found Minnesota is different, and it's different primarily because employers are more progressive here and they are more aggressive about cost savings. And they have figured out here that visits to these retail clinics are less expensive than a visit to a regular doctor's office or an urgent care center. Tom, how did you get into this initially? Well, the the funny thing is that I'm the son of a pharmacist, and my dad's pharmacy had a doctor's office adjacent to it, and Dr. Spencer used to have his patients sit at the pharmacy coffee counter, and he would call over and let people know that he was ready for them so that they weren't just sitting there on a bench with a bunch of other sick people. From that day, I've always been interested in this. I came into healthcare through technology and was recruited into Minute Clinic to help them with their strategy and business development. And so I kind of had the right combination of backgrounds to get into it. As you mentioned that, why is it that pharmacies can employ physicians or actually own the physician, but the physician cannot own a pharmacy? It's a good question, and my answer is going to sound sarcastic, but the truth of the matter, they can't. But what they do is hire lawyers to create entities that essentially are separate enough to be able to pull it off. And these companies that are doing this are very, very large. They have vast numbers of lawyers who can defend their actions. And I think the the truth of the matter is, is that your family practice office 
could have a pharmacy if they had the kind of financial resources to hire lawyers and big law firms and defend their actions, but they don't. You know, that is unfortunate that you have this situation. I, I think it's, you know, another reason why insurance companies have gotten so big and have so much leverage over smaller practices as well, is that they've just got the legal resources and the ability to defend their actions. Well, on that note, Tom Sharlin, thank you very much for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. My guest was Tom Sharlin, the CEO of Merchant Medicine, which is a consulting firm that specializes in retail and on-site health clinics. And we were discussing the status of retail health clinics in the United States. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. If you'd like to comment or make any suggestions on our shows, please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or if you want to reach us by phone, you can get us at 888-MD-XM-157. And thanks for listening.